CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us, as we always are. Looking forward to being with you uh, for about the next hour as we get together at this time to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible. Again, looking at a global perspective of what the Bible has to say about it all. And boy, there's a lot going on in the world. You better have a good biblical worldview and what we hear in church. Hey, listen, give us a call, 88 88- 88-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Again, live radio, 88-88-ASK-CSN. And we'll make you part of the program. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker comes on after To Every Man and Answer. We have with us Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Dallas-Fort Worth. And hi and welcome, Jeff. Hello, Mike, from the Fort Worth area and the Metroplex and Looking forward to a great show. Uh, certainly a lot of things going on in our crazy upside down world. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are really, really focused, tuned in on uh, what's happening in the Middle East and, you know, just the whole catastrophe and heartbreaking scene uh, that we've been uh, witnessing for days now. So is it in the Bible? Well, you know, Mike, that it is. And I know that it is. The Bible uh, talks about Israel is much about Israel, and uh, Israel is the prophetic timepiece of the Bible. So what happens in Israel always matters, and this matters. So looking forward to some great questions today. Yeah, and I think it's just really incredible, all the things going on. Um, you know, we we uh, all know that uh, Biden uh, got to Israel, only to find out he's going to give the Gaza a hundred billion dollars with a B, friends. That is your tax money. Yeah, the very people who shelled Israel. Mm. I, I, I can't believe this. Is this really true? Or is this some kind of a, 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 a you know, April Fool's Day in the middle of October thing? Well, uh, my understanding is it's true. I mean, we can certainly validate it, but it seems to be what went down. And uh, he said that um, the terrorists would not get it. But I guess that's like um, uh, th- those uh, in uh, where he delivered, um, where was it he pulled out from and left all the weaponry? Um, Afghanistan. B- Afghanistan, yeah. The Afghan withdrawal. And uh, the terrorists got... That was $80 billion there. You know, $80, $80 billion worth of high-grade, up, upscale, top-of-the-line weaponry. And, um, you know, and then you got to wonder about the six uh, billion given to Iran. So you're looking at six billion to Iran, uh, then this money now, 10 billion to Gaza. And then all of those terrorists in the Afghanistan area, uh, just swooped down and took all that weaponry and no telling what they've done with it. So, you know, you sit back and you go, what is our government doing? Because every time we turn around, they're shelling out huge sums of money to terrorists. I mean, Iran, come on. They're, uh, they are the avowed enemies of Israel. They have 
and of America, you know, death to America. How many times have we seen uh, crowds of Iranians chanting that in these huge rallies, death to America? So why you would give 10 billion to them uh, or 6 billion to them, 10 billion to Gaza, uh, allow all the terrorists in the Afghanistan region to get those weapons. I, I don't know, Mike. It's you look at it and you go, what in the world? We should be giving, if anything, that money to allies, not enemies, because giving it to Gaza, even though, yeah, Gaza's a part of Israel, it's totally controlled by, ruled by Hamas. So how can they not get their hands on it? You know, one Amen. can only wonder. I know it's it's really it's just really incredible uh, the world we're in. But, uh, you know, Jesus said, again, when you begin to see these things, look up your redemption draws nine. Remember, Israel is God's time clock. And that is how you know where you're at in the biblical lineage, uh, biblical line of prophecy. Again, Mm -hmm. Jesus highlighted it in Luke chapter 21. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Jerry on the line in Michigan. Hi, welcome. Thank you, Mike and Jeff. How may we help? I read this morning a passage on the drying up of the Euphrates River and the Nile River. Just for giggles, I went and searched. The the whole world is having their major rivers dried up. Is there anything in Bible prophecy that brings us to light. Well, we, we know that, uh, of course, the the Euphrates River does dry up to prepare the way for the kings of the east, literally in the Greek, the kings of the land of the rising sun, to come into the Valley of Megiddo, the Battle of Armageddon at the very end of the tribulation period. Now, many people believe this was actually uh, a direct result of the dam that the Soviets built on the Euphrates River. Uh, so whether it's drought caused or whether it's caused by a reservoir, I, I don't know. All I know is the Bible says that they'll be pretty much able to just march across what was once this river plateau, uh, and, um, and, uh, continue their, their trek, uh, westward as they'll be going into the Valley of, of Armageddon. Now we do know that in the last days we are going to see, I think, a lot of very unusual things. Um, and certainly we, we realize that their uh, weather has been cyclic over the years. They can tell when they cut down the great sequoias going back uh, thousands of years. They can tell uh, where there is, was long periods of drought, long periods of, of cold, different things. It's all recorded in the rings of the trees. Uh, this is something, of course, the um, uh, climate change people are very clever, very clever in not telling people the truth. But that's part of what they do. I think it's interesting. I read an article where they said now that the glaciers are receding, it's revealing all these tools that the people uh, of um, of um, uh, Norway use to hunt reindeer and and uh, other other animals. Uh, well, what caused no glacier to be there when these tools were laid there or found in the caves. See, it doesn't make sense. Was there a global warming back, um, you know, 1400 years ago when, when uh, the people of Norway were hunting the reindeer on the, on the tundra? Um, See, this is the problem. Uh, We do know it's cyclic. Um, 
Uh, we had the mini ice age of the 16, 1700s. In England, the Thames River froze over. Uh, so we do know that this has been going on a long time. In fact, the weather's been changing ever since the, the flood. At the time of the Roman Empire, northern Africa was really Roman uh, San Joaquin Valley. Uh, it, uh, that's where they grew most of their grain and everything. By 500 AD, it had pretty much become a desert and continues to be so as of today. That was not caused by human-caused global warming. It's a direct result of the fall of man uh, and, and, and the Great Flood. And, and climates have been continuing to change ever since that time. So what they're attributing to uh, <clears throat> CO2 or um, different uh, uh, freons or whatever, holes in the ozone, these kinds of things, the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, the climate's been changing ever since the flood. And uh, this is not caused by man. This is a, a, just a result of a fallen world. Now, when you stop to look at these volcanoes that go off, they put more sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere than, than, uh, Ameri- than, than world cities do in years, uh, just because of their, of, of their enormous uh, capability. Uh, th- these are just things that are deliberately withheld because, again, global warming, global climate change, all this stuff you hear is a global religion to unite the world. This is what its real purpose is. It isn't because they care about the climate. Oh, you say, Mike, how can you say that? Oh, you're a conspiracy. Oh, no, 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 no. No, when I watch these people flying all over the earth, our own John Kerry and some of the others condemning, oh, the global warming and carbon footprints as they fly their jet, not not a common carrier, their private jet, putting Tons of CO2 in the air. Their one jet in one plane trip puts more CO2 into the atmosphere than than probably all the the farmhouses and people in Kansas. If they really believed what they were saying, they wouldn't be using private jets. You see, they don't want you people to have cars and to have these kinds of things. But we're elitist and we're entitled because we're the upper echelon. We're the upper crust. And too bad about you. Well, I watched this in 1957 with Nikita Khrushchev, where he uh, shows up. Here, Russia is so poor, uh, they can barely make a living under the communist rule. And he shows up in a limousine. You see, because the upper echelon always has the limousine. You see, this is where we find the hypocrisy of the entire global warming myth to be generated from. They just simply lied to us. Because if they really believed it, they would begin in their own backyard. Yeah, that's right, you guys. Sell your Learjet, fly on a common carrier, and show us how we're supposed to do it. But oh no, no, they're, the hypocrisy runs wild. So no, I, I think when you talk about this, I think we see all kinds of weather anomalies, and I think we will continue to do that until Jesus reigns from Jerusalem. Your thoughts? Yeah, and Jerry, uh, to your question about verse 12 in Revelation 16, the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. The water thereof was, was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now that 
verse uh, certainly insinuates that the Euphrates will be supernaturally dried up because the sixth angel, now we're coming towards the end of the tribulation period here, and the sixth angel pours out his vial upon Euphrates to make way for the kings of the east, which are, uh, to, to my mind, no doubt, the Chinese. And uh, we see just a couple of verses later, Jesus breaks through in the book of Revelation in chapter 16 and verse 15 and says, Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is he that watches, keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So right after or right towards this event, towards towards the close of the tribulation, we see Christ uh, speaking to all of us that he's about to return in the second advent with the church to stop the war of Armageddon that is just about to be undertaken at this point in the book of Revelation. Jesus will stop it and uh, usher in the millennial time period. So uh, to your question, uh, the Euphrates has dried up supernaturally. You know, it's almost like God likes drying up bodies of water. And he dried up the Red Sea, dried up the Jordan for the for Israel to cross over into the promised land. And now he's drying up this river. So this is something God does supernaturally to bring about his will. So um, I hope that helps, uh, Jerry, for you to understand it. It is a supernatural act of God that dries it up, just like the Red Sea and just like the Jordan when Israel was crossing over. I hope that helps. Most definitely helps. Thank you guys very much. God bless you. I love your program. Well, God's good, Jerry. Stay in line. We'll send you out the movie Jesus. We'll send you a little book called Time to Grow, and and it's not Greek to me. Um, Todd Friel, who's on CSN here, has uh, given us some of these to give away to everybody. It's not Greek to me DVD. I think you'll really enjoy it, and um, we'll get those out to you. Let's, Jerry, stay on line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Siobhan, Western Oklahoma. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm calling today about... Uh, a family member. It's my daughter-in-law, Georgia. She loves the Lord with all her heart and believes and knows exactly what happens uh, after death or rapture for that matter. And her father has been given about two months to live. He's has cancer and he's not saved. And she is mourning and she's desperately seeking something, some advice, a Bible verse. What could she give when she (laughs) brings it up to him? He says, I don't have time for this nonsense. Mm -hmm. And she's hurting so bad and and i myself struggle with what to do exactly whenever somebody turns you down i'm not the best at that yet um i feel like i have to defend jesus and the cross but um that's not going to work with him and i just wanted to see if you guys have in your experience what's the best way to address that to bring it up to put something in front of him or a verse or what should we say your thoughts it's difficult. I've, I've literally had people, not often, usually if you ask somebody if you can pray for them, for instance, uh, they'll let you, especially if they're going into, say, surgery. And I went to minister to one man who was going into op- major open heart surgery, and I asked him if he minded if I prayed for him, and he said, I'd rather you not. Well, you know, wow, that was unusual because, you know, you may not come out of this surgery, but you don't want prayer. And he was not a Christian either. So uh, that was unusual. Usually, if you say to somebody, 
would you mind if I prayed for you? Or is there anything I can pray with you about? Yeah. It opens a door. And uh, I would suggest, uh, Siobhan, uh, maybe taking that approach. You know, Dad, um, you know the situation. You know what the doctors have said. Uh, so is there anything, since I do believe in prayer, I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe that God hears me, and it would mean a lot to me if I could pray for you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Sometimes that opens a door that simply approaching somebody with the gospel uh, doesn't open. If they're really resistant to the gospel, I went out last weekend, um, our church did an outreach, and I, we went out in twos, and we covered almost 350 businesses in my area. It was a team of people out of our church. We went to about 350 businesses, went into the businesses, and instead of going in there to, you know, quote, share the gospel outrightly, we went in and, and thanked them for the job they were doing and for contributing to, you know, the economy of our town, of our city, and we, and to thank them for, for what they do. It was amazing how walls fell down pretty quick. And then just saying to them, is there anything I can pray with you about? Well, very few, there were very few that didn't give us something because you know, no matter where you stand, uh, if somebody says, can I pray for you? It's very hard to say no to that. And, you know, everybody has something they want God to do. So it could be, Siobhan, that uh, taking that approach, Dad, is there anything I can pray with you about? I, I really want to pray. It would mean a lot to me as your daughter uh, to lift up a prayer for you. Is there anything on your heart? And just see if that doesn't open a door. And if that doesn't, then it's a matter of prayer and uh, really uh, silent love, uh, being there, being there to the end and uh, seeing if God doesn't open a door in the next two months in some other way. So I hope that helps. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, Siobhan, and, and I'll, I'll send you out some things that perhaps you can you can give to her. Maybe they would encourage her in some way. And, you know, sometimes when, when no one's looking, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll look at a, a, a book on Christianity. They'll watch a DVD. They'll do those kinds of things um, because they, they are curious. And so I'll send some things to you that not only be a blessing to you, but to her as well. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Sean, stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. And let's go to Greg in Texas doing today i just had two quick questions okay. uh, my, my one is um I, I wanted to see if you guys can provide me some biblical context behind the number 33 i say that because over the past few years as i've been studying the word i've noticed this number in a, many different ways and when i've done my own research on it to an extent i feel comfortable with what i've been finding but then i also and that 100 percent sure is as far as numerology in general because I feel like it does get a little cultic, depending on your viewpoint yeah. on it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I do know numbers matter in the Bible. However, I, I don't want to take that number the wrong way when I do see it. And also, I wanted to just see if, uh, as far as your, your guys' opinion, if uh, the rapture would be considered pre-tribulation, uh, mid, or post, because the evidence that I find throughout the Scripture, it leads me to believe it's pre 
tribulation? I just wanted to get your opinion on, on both of those. I believe it's pre as well, because Jesus said, watch and be ready. You don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. Uh, to somebody to say, well, it's mid, then that is, uh, in fact, Jesus said, I'm coming as a thief. Um, and, uh, if it's, if it's mid tribulation, uh, that's no secret. Um, if it's at the end of the tribulation, what's the point? It's the second coming of Christ. Uh, if he's not coming at all, then Paul was lying to us about the moment twinkling him and I will all be changed to be caught up with him in the air. What would be the point of being caught up in the air and then just turn right around and come right back down? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I believe as Enoch walked with God and was taken before the great flood fell on the earth, I believe God will take those that love him as well. And then the judgment of God falls on a God-rejecting world. And God also deals with his nation of Israel. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Greg, I'd, I'd be careful with, and, and you said it right, you got to be, be cautious about going into numerology too much. I know people that go into Bible numerology a lot, and um, boy, they, they eventually come off with some pretty wacko stout stuff, really. Um, I know people that, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll say that God spoke to them from a license plate at a red light. <laughs> Well, you know, no, not really. Um, I mean, we know that there are numbers in the Bible that indeed symbolize something. You know, one is the number for God, uh, six the number for man, seven the number for completion, eight the number for new beginnings. We know that. But I think you can get carried away from it, and it almost becomes, uh, you get into the world of interpreting omens uh, by using numbers. And uh, literally speaking things over people's lives based on numbers. And, and you got to really be careful with that. I, I really literally have heard people talk about they're trained in this, this. They'll throw and see the price tag on a box of cereal and say, God spoke to them from that. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. So, um, 33. Well, you know, it's significant in a couple of ways. Jesus was 33 when he was crucified. I know that um, the number 33 is, is seems to be connected with spiritual growth. Uh, in the Old Testament, a Levite priest could begin his ministry at 30, but he had to wait until he was 33 to become a priest. Okay, but you can take 33 and run with it and really make way more out of it than God ever intended. So, uh, I, I've, you know, I've heard people make things out of chapters, uh, you know, the numbers of Bible verses, the actual number itself and add them all up and come up with all these zany things. So I would just give you a word of caution to, to go light with this and mainly just stick with what's, what's written, you know, the, the clear written scriptures, because those are what's going to feed you, speak to you. That's what God gave us. And uh, just be wary of the numbers game. That that was just a little word of caution for you, because I've seen it taken to a really extreme extent where I think it did some damage. Mike? So I, I hope that helps. It does. I definitely appreciate you. I definitely appreciate your answers. It definitely eased my mind a little bit. Because I didn't, I, I didn't want to get too lost in it and, and start, like I said, over, over uh, spiritualizing everything. I was like, no. 
No, because it, it just didn't feel right to any sense to look at it like that. I knew, I knew it. I, 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 the spiritual growth makes a lot of sense, but I just, like I said, I just didn't, I didn't want to deep down the rabbit hole to the point where I couldn't come back from it. You know? Yeah, that's why. And Greg, something else, real quick. People like formulas rather than prayer. It's, it's just the way we are. Uh, you know, don't worry about me, God. I got this. I, I, I've been here before. I got the shirt. I already know how it comes out. Don't need you this time. I'll call you when I got a problem. Um, you know, because we'll trust in numbers. We'll uh, trust in patterns. Uh, we'll look around and see what every uh, every uh, all the other Christians are doing. Well, that's that's what I need to do. Rather than find out what God wants me to do, we see this in churches. Well, what's the church down the corner doing that's growing? Well, that's exactly what we need to do. Um, and and you see this go on rather than hey, go seek God what God wants you to do. Well, no, I just I just look for numbers to line up, or I I just look for you know uh, you know these are dangerous things uh, that we find oftentimes because again um, the just shall live by faith, and uh, again when we pray this gives God uh, permission to work in our lives in the direction He wants to take us. Greg, stay in line, and I'll send you out. Here it is again. It's not Greek to me. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy it as well as. Time to grow the movie Jesus based on the book of Luke. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of, okay? Hey, guys. Yeah, take it easy. God bless you. If you need us, we're here for you. Let's go to Daniel, Roswell, New Mexico. Hi, welcome. Hi, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. How many we um, Well, my re- main reason for calling today is for prayer from for the good Lord to guide me in the situation that I'm in. Um, I chose to go down the, the path and start a career in law enforcement, um, and I am a full-blown officer. And unfortunately, it comes with a lot more than what I understood that it comes yeah. with. It's taken a lot of time from church. Um, it takes a lot of time from my family and from my church family. Um, and just some of the things that I'm interacting with and being around as far as coworkers and everything, it, I feel like it's really drawn me further from the Lord and I'm really struggling with it. And like I said, I, I, I am asking for prayer today, but I also would like you, you guys' opinion on this. Well, Daniel, yes, we, we do. And, and again, our heart goes out to all the law enforcement officers. You're up against a, a, a really, really dark world and, and it makes it very hard. Um, Daniel, we're going to talk more about this as we come back on the other side of the break. And certainly, um, Jeff, I know you've got a lot of thoughts on this, being you have a large church and police officers in your fellowship. And so, uh, yeah, Daniel, we we'll look forward to coming back on the other side of the break. And we'll be back right after this. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But you're something that could really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills, and it really is a community too. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for people with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years 
Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor and get 24-7 telehealth from the comfort of your home. And here's the thing. If you join before October 30th, you'll get your second month free and save even more. I'll give you the number here in a second, but just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. The deadline again is October 30th, so now is a great time to call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. This is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare, and Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people. My experience has been MediShare has been fantastic for me. It's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. Yeah. And see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it. And it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, So really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it so um you do the phone number i'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers yeah. okay call now 855-91-BIBLE that's 855-91-BIBLE 855-91-BIBLE nice job thanks I want to welcome you back to part two of Terry Men and Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And when we went to the break, we were speaking with Daniel, a New Mexico police officer, just coming to some hardcore reality of how demanding this job really is, how much it uh, takes of your personal time outside of your regular eight to five hours. Um, your thoughts, Jeff? Well, it is a highly stressful job. And Daniel, I hear you. Because it's one of those jobs you don't leave at the office. There's no way you bring home the stress. You see things, you experience things that uh, a lot of the public never has to. Uh, things that scar your memory, scar your soul, hard to ever get it out of your mind. Things you can't unsee and things you can't unremember. And uh, it's a very high stress job. It's high in alcoholism, really high in divorce. Um, w- one reason that me and, uh, two other pastors on my staff, uh, went through some training and became, uh, police chaplains because, boy, they just, they just need, uh, you know, some positive input, some, uh, you know, an ear to speak to, uh, somebody to just dump on. And, uh, you know, especially these days, the adversity, the lack of respect, the, way that police uh, men and women are treated just absolutely blows my mind. I, I, I see some of it on YouTube or I'm told stories. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of officers in my congregation. Uh, the guy that leads my, my men's ministry is a Lieutenant and he's told me stories about things he's experienced. It's incredible. So yes, it encroaches on your family and it does encroach on your, your church. You have to measure, you have to, decide, is it becoming detrimental to my home? Is it truly about to destroy my marriage? Is, is it something that if, that if I stay in it, it's, uh, it's, it's going to wreck my life. Now, um, 
if it, if that's the case, then you have a decision to make. One thing I would encourage you to do before making any major final decision is get into counseling, get a good counselor that you can talk to and let it all hang out. I mean, tell them everything, your stress, your frustration, the fears, everything, tell them and uh, see if that doesn't relieve some of the pressure and uh, some of the stress and help you out in your marriage. Uh, if the police force you work for is requiring you uh, an unreasonable amount of hours, I would go to them and just say, look, um, I'm requesting that I not put in, you know, 50 to 60 or more hours a week. I've got a family and I'm, I'm asking if you would consider lowering my hours some. So I would try a couple of things, uh, Daniel, before I pulled the trigger and got out, no pun intended, before I got out of the police force and did something new. Because let's face it, uh, if you can hang in there and, and it works by the time you're 55 or so, you can retire, uh, with a, with a really nice pension and have a lot of your life left to do other things. So think about that because these are things I've talked about, uh, with officers in my congregation, uh, as well. And my heart goes out to you. Uh, I hear you and it is, it's a tough call, but I hope that helps. Yeah, I hope that that sheds some light on it. You know, again, if it gets to the point where you feel that it's causing you to compromise your relationship with God, then it might be time to look for something else to do, Daniel. Um, But I I think right now, honest police are so important in America. You're you're the last thing that just keeps America from going completely jungle. And uh, we see the, the whole... Um, infrastructure of America literally crumbling right now. And it is a real tragedy when we understand that this is all needless. You know, uh, you continually hear about the broken immigration policies of America. That's an absolute lie. There was nothing broken in our immigration. It was the federal government's absolutely rebellion to enforce the laws on the books just as Joe Biden is doing. He's refusing to enforce the law. Well, the direct result of that is crime, drugs pouring across our borders. And then that puts you, Daniel, out there risking your life to to, uh, uh, bring law and order only for a bunch of liberal appointed Democrat judges to let them all go. So we we have really, unfortunately, insanity reigning supreme now And I think, again, my heart goes out to all the law enforcement that is trying their very best in the midst of a completely disobedient uh, party uh, to patrol our borders, to keep crime down, uh, to uh, risk your lives, to bring criminals in. And fortunately, the, the criminals are released by judges before the police officer finishes his paperwork on getting the getting the guy uh, in in uh, uh, in the court system, this is wrong, and we see it. There's no deterrent for crime, um, and so I believe that again. I think you have to do the best you can. I think if it comes to a point where you feel that it's going to cost you your family, I think then then I think uh, there's other things that I think Daniel God will use you in great ways to do. You know, hope that helps. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. And our prayers are with you. If you need us, Daniel, anytime, we're here for you. I'm here. And uh, because my heart goes out to all the law enforcement, I, I know uh, personally from friends, um, my family uh, that are have been in law enforcement, my cousin in Portland and others, uh, um, what, a, what a crazy world uh, that is. When Again, you, you risk your life to bring these bad people in and then liberal judges just turn them loose. Uh, it, it makes no sense. But this, we're reaping the horrible situation now where this has gone on. And um, again, uh, and if you try to stop the criminal yourself, not being a police officer, you'll be the one arrested. You'll be the one in jail. Mm -hmm. And the person that you tried to stop from hurting you or or whatever, they get to go free. We it, It's all backwards right now. And again, this is why mm -hmm. your democratic states and especially your democratic-controlled cities are literally rotting. That's true. I mean, look at Seattle. Look at Portland. These are Democrat-ran cities that you are absolutely unsafe to walk down the street in. Now, uh, you look at you look at Boise. You can walk down the street there. Uh, that's a Republican city. Why would that make a difference? It's because of terrible terrible uh, uh, understanding of, of what is good and what is evil. Our heart goes out to you, Daniel. Like I say, we're here for you. Stay in line if you like. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy, okay? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Our prayers. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray you protect Daniel. You give him wisdom and guidance as well as every person that is in the public to serve. I pray you give them wisdom as well. And Lord, protect him, protect his family, and show him, God, please, what he is to do in the days to come in Jesus' name. Amen. That's our prayer, Daniel, and we'll just see what great things God will do in your life. If you need us, we're here, okay? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Stay online, we'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Hope, Indiana. Hi, welcome. Hi, pastors. Um, I My question is about the... Uh, in Matthew 25 about the talents. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm, it, it's really bothering me because I've been asking the Lord, what am I, what am I supposed to do? And the only answer that I got was, you know, you plant seeds, but I, I'm worried about it. Uh, it's bothering me because I don't know if I'm really doing anything that I'm supposed to do. Well, again, to do whatever God has given us, um, that we use it for the kingdom first. Uh, if you have a talent for making money, you, you need to help ministries that are trying to do something for the kingdom of heaven. I hear a lot of uh, Rolex watch preachers on TV bragging about their Learjets, um, uh, you know, selling their miracle wallets to you, run from those kind of people. But there are people who are very gifted in 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 um, um, raising funds and things like this that really help the body of Christ and those underprivileged people. I, my heart goes out to that. That's great. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of times people that are talented in certain areas, they just use it for themselves. 
and whatever happens to be left over, even as a Christian, well, we'll give that to God. Um, uh, you know, people have asked me, they said, Mike, you know, you could have bought and sold station. Man, you could have been a multimillionaire. And I, I, I go, but I, I, I'm not here for that reason on this earth. I'm here to do radio and my friends that do that with me and all those that make this possible and all of those that listen that share in the vision. Together, we're doing something we could never do apart from each other because no one here is flying Learjets. See, and that, that's where I think the big difference comes. I think whatever talents, abilities that God has given you. Now, when we see in the Bible talent, we might think, oh, well, that's my ability to sing or dance. That's not what talent is in the Bible. A talent was a measure of money. And being faithful in little, God makes us faithful in much. And if we're unfaithful in the little we have, then we shouldn't expect any more from God. I mean, if you were uh, uh, like like God, you saw people that were squandering what he gave you, would you want to give that person more? So I believe that, again, whatever we have monetarily, um, I, I think we want to uh, trust God with it. We want to be resourceful. We never want to be dishonest in our dealings, but we want to do those things that will further the kingdom of heaven. Your thoughts? Yeah, the parable of the talents is a, Great one. I love it. And I, I just so our listeners would know for it's in Matthew 25 and the man going on a way on a journey gives his servants to one servant. He gives five talents to another two and to another one. And uh, the five goes out or the one with five goes out and doubles it. And when the Lord returns, he says, here's 10 talents. You gave me five. I doubled your investment. And then the one with two, uh, doubled it for four, but the one with one talent had buried it, not used it because of the perception he had of the master. He was afraid of him. He had a wrong perception of the master. You know, you, you reap or you don't sow, you're mean, you're uh, unreasonable. So I was afraid and I buried what you gave me. And uh, so his perception of the master really ruined his life in regards to sowing into the kingdom's work. Um, but I see the talents as God's gifts to us. Uh, may be, you know, whether it's an ability, uh, it's a spiritual gift. Um, I think that it can be as simple as I was in prison and you visited me. I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me a drink. It means it's, it's, you see your life as God has made you a steward, he has, he has given you gifts to steward, to invest in his kingdom. And uh, if it's just doing Christian things for others in the name of Jesus, where your life, uh, the, your time, your energy uh, goes towards the advancement of his kingdom, towards reaching people in his name, uh, your, your life uh, can, you know, God's investment in your life can show for something at the end of your life. Or, you know, you've been faithful over little, Jesus says. Enter the king, the joy of the Lord. I'm going to make you ruler over much. So it's about investing your life, investing your time, your energy, your gifts, uh, what God has given you as a steward over them. Because you can look at it like the Lord sees, uh, sees us as those he has made an investment in. Uh, as far as giftings and what he's given us. And are we going to make his investment count? 
Will his investment in us count? Will at the end of our life, will we be able to say, you know, I reached those people for you. I shared your love with, with those folks. I, I did what I could uh, to feed the hungry, to do things in your name that counted. And, um, cause Jesus said, in as much as you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you've done it for me. And so, uh, I think that's what it's about that you and I are God's investments. We're the, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. Our lives are to make a difference. One of my big prayers is when I'm gone, I want to, you know, I want the world to know that I left a, a footprint for Jesus. There is a legacy. Uh, for my life, something I leave behind where there are changed lives, where kingdom investment was made in people, where I left a footprint. And I think that's what it's talking about. So what you don't want to do is just say, well, I don't trust God. I don't really believe he's out for my good. So I'm not going to serve him at all and bury all that God has put in you. That is when you're the real loser. Um, I don't care if you die with a billion dollars in the bank. If you didn't serve God through Jesus, then to me and to the Bible's way of thinking, your life was a failure. Mike? Amen. And so use what we have for God. Uh, bless one another. And God's the one that brings the increase and gives us the reward in heaven forever. Um, so, I, you know, what, what we have, what we can do... Um, do for the king. Hope that helps, Hope. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. It, it made me understand that parable a lot better. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well, blessings to you, Hope. Again, um, uh, God wants us to... Um, I, I tell people this. No one's ever been on this earth like you before. Nobody will ever be on this earth like you ever again. You're not a cosmic accident. You're not a mistake when lightning hit a swamp and throw in a couple billion years. You are divinely and wonderfully made, and no one else has ever been like you ever before. So why did God put you, me, all of us on this earth? Was to do something for him. That's why if you do anything apart from serving God, it will be a cheap, meaningless experience. And that though it may bring joy for a moment, you'll find that that will quickly wear off and you'll still be empty. You were called, all of us as human beings, were called for a much higher purpose. And that was to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Stay in line, Hope. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Michael in Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. Glad I finally got through. I am too. How can we help? (laughs) I got a question that's been burning in my mind. Ah. Why is the road so narrow and the pathway so wide to hell? God knew everything, so he should have known that out of the billion, billion souls that he's created, that millions and millions will go to hell. So I can't wrap my hands around that, why he would do that, why he'd make so many extra people just to go to hell. Well, again, God didn't make them go to hell. They chose to go to hell. Um God has given to every man, the Bible says, a measure of faith. And it's what we do with that. Now, the Bible says sin, at the root of every sin, is pride. And pride is what keeps us from God because pride is what says, I'll do what I want, not what God 
wants me to do. And because of that, when we come to that understanding that I am not really in control of my destiny, you know, I, uh, been watching a lot of uh, kids' cartoons and different things like that. You, you see, um, uh, with my with my children, and uh, one of the things that I notice is you can do anything you want to. Well, hold it a minute. No, you can't. You can think. You can. I I use the illustration: drive into a brick wall at 100 miles an hour, um, and I'll survive. No, you can't. You see, they we we set unreasonable goals in our lives uh, only to think that that's what's going to make us happy. Again, only to find out that it leaves us empty. We need to do what God wants us to do, not what I think I can do or I can do anything I want to do. Uh, The Frank Sinatra song that was so popular. Why was it so popular? Because it stroked the egos of every person that heard it. I live life my way. Well, yeah, right. But you still die alone. And see, this is the great problem. Pride blinds people to the fact that they're only here for a short amount of time. Paul says it like this. We're here. Our lives are life of vapor. They're here for a short time, and then they're gone. What manner then of men should we be? But see, people don't think that way. This is unfortunate. But if we'd stop, we'd realize that. Again, why do people drink? They have to alter themselves to be likable. I can like myself now. I've got my 430 buzz on. Well, wouldn't it be nice if you had something inside of you like God that caused you to like yourself and you didn't have to get stoned or altered for you to like yourself or others you think to like you? Wouldn't that be neat? But see, people don't. I'm going to do it my way. And my way, the Bible says, there's a way that seems right into a man, but in the end, there's death. Your thoughts? Yeah, Michael, question, are you married? No. Have, have you been married? For 20 years. Okay. Let's just, let's just say then that you're married, just, just for an illustration. Now, your wife tells you every day, I love you. You say to her, I love you. But you know that before uh, she married you, she had a chip implanted in her brain that programmed her to tell you she loves you. Would it mean anything to you when she says, I love you, if she's speaking to you out of being programmed by a chip? Not really, no. Of course not. Here's the thing. When God made Adam and Eve, he gave them choice. If he had made robots, which he could have done, uh, that are just programmed to love him, programmed to fellowship with him, programmed to walk with him, programmed to say all the right things, do all the right things, uh, what would that have meant to God? No. He gave us a choice, and that choice is clearly illustrated by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, smack dab in the center of the Garden of Eden. God gave them a choice, a choice to serve him, a choice to obey him. And they wound up choosing to break his word, break his will, break his commandment, and sin entered the world. 
But God has not removed from man since the fall of Adam the ability to choose. So that when we hear, for instance, the gospel today, we choose to repent or not repent. We choose to walk away from the grace of God, from the knock of Jesus on the door of our heart. We t- we choose either to turn away from it or to open the door because Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man opens the door, notice who opens the door, man. If any man opens the door, then I will come into him, fellowship with him and he with me. So God does the knocking. We do the opening. And that paves the way for uh, fellowship and communion with God. Now, why would God create so many souls knowing that so many would, would perish? God gave us a choice. God gave man a choice. There would be no dignity. There would be no being human without having a choice. Uh, beyond that, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know God did give us a choice. So uh, another question is, why should he even bother to go to the extent that he did by sending his only begotten son who died on a cross of shame and pain, spilled his precious innocent blood so that you and I could be redeemed? Maybe a better question would be instead of why did God create so many knowing they would go to hell, a better question might be why did God go so far to redeem me that he gave his only begotten son? Because when you really start asking that question, it's a mind-boggling question. It, it is a It's a brain twister because God sent his son who died on the cross for us. Why would he do that? Well, because of a love that is so infinite and deep and profound, we simply, as finite human beings, cannot wrap our minds around it. So there's all kinds of questions you can ask, but I will tell you, Michael, he gave us a will. Every human being out there has a will. He gave us a way out. That is the cross of Christ. And he went so far to redeem us that it's staggering. So don't know if that helps or not. I hope it does. And um, so there you go. Hope that helps. Okay, I think it has. It's pretty explained pretty well to me. But I had one more quick question. We've got 10 seconds. Oh, 10 seconds. I was going to ask why I have such a hard time. I'm struggling with giving up certain things, even though I became a Christian and asked the Lord into my life. And okay, let me tell you the answer. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more you know God, the more you'll trust God. And the more you trust God, you won't need the other things in your life that are dragging you away from God. You'll be able to trust Him more fully because we get stimulus uh, stimulized from these things that we put in our life, thinking it's going to make us happy, and only God does. Stay online. We'll get you taken care of. Thanks, Jeff, for being on. God bless y'all. Ministry, or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 